Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Anti-Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Anti-Up is much more than a magazine. Visit antiupmagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Anti-Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's July 12, 2019. You're listening to the finest poker cast money can buy. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Hey, I'm wearing my Scott Long shirt today. Are you? Can you feel it? Can you feel the uh, love? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you can. In honor of your, uh, you know, melons for moolah, you know. Yeah, I'm wearing my Jenny Lewis shirt, so I hope I'm feeling her too. But. <laughs> All right, cut. We got to edit that out of the show. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I don't know. There's a little world championship going on, uh, and not that silly one in Vegas, but the the awesome one in Sacramento, the Antioch World Championship, the real one. And uh, there are seven events in already of the 30-event schedule out there. Uh, of course, it's at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento. Uh, 419 entries in the first event, Chris. So Jeez. getting off to a great start out there in uh, California. Nice. And it's, uh, it's in the northern part of California, so don't worry about those earthquakes in the southern part of California. That's right. You're safe up there. Also rocked Rio, too, which was really wild. But Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm flying out Sunday, I'll be out there Sunday afternoon, and, uh, staying through the, uh, end of the main event, so, uh, come on out and say hi, I already got a bunch of people, uh, messaging me, ask me when I'm coming out, and they tell me they're coming out, so that's great to hear. Because yeah, they uh, want to win your money, they, they're not stupid. Yeah, but, you know, that's not the casino to win my money in, so, any yeah. other one, I do really well out there, so. That's true, that's true. Uh, but you get all the details at antiupmagazine.com slash world championship, including how you can win your way on the cover of our magazine. Not once, but twice. Are you uh, playing any events again? Are you going to try the heads up and all that again? Or Oh, yeah. I'll definitely do the heads up. Uh, definitely do the, the Omahas and the horse. And uh, I'll donate to a couple No Limit events. Uh, although I've cashed in some No Limit events out there as well, too. So Awesome. Like said, it's my magic place. So. Awesome. I can't wait for the text at 1230 a.m. saying, look at, look at this dummy who won an event. And it'll be you holding up your freaking two cards and the chips. It's coming. I know it. Oh, man. But always have a good time out there. If you haven't been out, uh, make it make it a point to get out there this year um, and see that beautiful new room now in its second year and uh, all the great stuff out there. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good, uh, good rest of the month. So Excellent. All right, Parks Casino near Philadelphia has said it will launch its online casino on July 15th, the first day uh, allowed by Pennsylvania gaming regulators. Uh, but it will not offer poker at the start. 
No word on when poker will be added to the offerings or when other Pennsylvania casinos will open their online casinos. But it's just starting. I mean, that's it, it's going to come. I mean, it's how hard could it be to add it? You know what I mean? They've already gone through all the process of doing this, so it's going to come, right? They're not going to just not release poker. No, I'm sure they would. I'm like, I think it's like everything else. I mean, one, we don't know for sure. I mean, they might. Um, all their promotional material doesn't mention it, so that's that's what we're assuming is it's not coming yet. But, you know, but if they're the only one offering it, um, it goes back to the whole liquidity thing, right? Right, so, right. So I, I think it's going to make more sense when, when everybody's up and running and everybody can launch at the same time and share players and um, – or even, you know, once they uh, work out the compact with the other states as well, too, that would make a lot of sense as well, too. So, yeah. but um, it's good to know that uh, on the day that they're allowed to do it, uh, at least one is ready to go, and yeah. maybe others, too. I mean, we'll find out. But, but if you're in Pennsylvania, it's getting close for you. It's getting close. In fact, Absolutely. actually, I'm flying there in the morning. So uh, I won't be there on the 15th, though, so I won't be able to play online. But Wait, you're flying there and then flying out from there? Or what are you, what are you doing? Yes, oh. yes. So you, it's a layover? I found a nonstop flight uh, from uh, Baltimore to Sacramento. I didn't know it existed. And on wow. Southwest and very cheap for the company. So Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll be up in uh, Gettysburg for a couple of days, hanging out with some college friends and the, their kids, and then uh, then heading out to um, California. Is that the for Gettysburg address that I've been hearing so much about lately? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yes, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to ask. I was curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we are in the money now. The main event of the 50th World Series of Poker. Here are the highlights from the past week. Jeremy Sardini. Sardini? Uh, I don't know. It's French, so I don't know how to pronounce it. Sardin, maybe I think. Jeremy Sardini. <laughs> oh, that's that's Italian. Right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just no pronounce like the stuff at the end. Just kind of say <laughs> and then that's enough. Anyhow, this Jeremy dude. He's from France, <laughs> and, and what what happened was. <laughs> He won uh, event 69, uh, the 1,000 mini main event uh, with the final table, represented by seven countries, Chris. Wow. Uh, Portuguese pro uh, Joao Vieira denied former world champ Jokata his fifth bracelet when he beat him heads up to win event 70, uh, the 5K 6 max. Uh, U-Haul Helpy finally got his bracelet, winning event 72, the 10,000 uh, limit championship. In 14 years at the WSOP, Helpy has amassed 25 caches, seven final tables. And was a runner-up three times, but finally he's got his bracelet. And the uh, main event had 8,569 entries, second most ever, and the most since 2006. Flight 1C had 4,877 entries alone, the most for one seating. And the champion will get a cool $10 million. Yeah, I, I, I told Jeannie, I was like, hey, the main event had 8,500. And she's like, wow, is that the most ever? And I'm like, no, second most behind, I think... Behind Jamie Gold's win. Jamie Gold's year. Right? So then she's like, well, how much did the winner get? I said $10 million. She goes, wow, is that the most? And I'm like, no, that's the second most behind uh, Jamie Gold. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> so that, that basically is the benchmark. But, I mean, seriously, every time they tell us poker is dying, this happens. I mean, 8,500 entries. Now, I'm assuming it's the whole 50-year anniversary. They might have really pushed it really hard to get a lot more entries in. And, you know, with whatever their circuit things or winners, seats, I don't know, whatever it is. But... That's it's it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. They had five thousand people in one seating. I mean, yeah. that's insane. Um, and I think the other part of it too is that uh, they added some events this year. I think it ended up being eighty or something like that, right? And yeah. um, um, so when you add more events, you add more prize pool, so more people win money, and more people are able to afford to to get in that last event. So that probably helped as well too. 
Um, and uh, this mini main event was really fascinating, I thought. Uh, so it was uh, 10% obviously at the buy-in. Um, it was a two-day event, so everybody started the first day, and then they, uh, they came back on the second day, so it wasn't one of these three- or four-day commitments that most of the other tournaments are, right? Right. And, um, you know, it was a freeze-out, too. It was the only other freeze-out, I think, in the uh, series other than the main event. Right, so, right. Hence the uh, name, Mini. Yeah, it was interesting uh, that one of our, uh, our listeners, Matt Budorf, uh, who I'll see up at Sacramento um, next week, he said it's a, a hand of the week uh, from the World Series, actually from the mini main event that we're going to use in the show in a couple weeks. Um, but what he mentioned is, you know, when you're looking at the events that go out to the series for, you know, everybody was looking at the uh, that kickoff uh, 50 event. Um, of course, you have Colossus and some of those as well, too. Um, but he said the mini main event made the most sense because of the two day and, um, because you don't have to be out there that long for it. Right. So, um, but the the other thing I thought about, I'm like, if I'm going to plunk my money down, um, that's definitely the event that I think I would because of the freeze out part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, I I mean, it's kind of, this was a big discussion at the TDA summit, um, last month, um, that's. You know, players are starting to voice, uh, recreational players are starting to, to be a little louder in their opposition to multiple re-entry tournaments um, because they think, and they are correct, that it puts them at a disadvantage against pros or, or really anybody who has the money just to keep peeling off bullets, right? Yeah. So when he has a freeze out, then it, it's an equalizer. I mean, everybody knows, you know, once you're out, you're out. So whether that's that one outer on the river or whether you just play badly, uh, you're out. So um, it does equalize that, that money. So um, And, of course, 1000 is what I paid for my event 47 years ago. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it's a little easier for me to afford now than that. So, But, uh, but anyway, interesting event. So, um, And seven countries at the final table. I mean, talk about it. the mini main event, and that part is a mini main event, right? Yeah. The main event always ends up with multiple people at the final table uh, from different biz- uh, different countries. So, pretty cool. Uh, Joe Cata, I mean, geez, that guy. Um, you know, we talked last week about the uh, 50 best players in the history and how it's somewhat skewed towards the newer players, but um, he keeps playing hard. <laughs> so, I'm not going to say he shouldn't have been on that list. No, absolutely. I mean, you just look back to when he was just just missed winning the main event again and then says, you know, I'm going to stick around and play another event and then wins that bracelet. And then <laughs> yeah. he wins another, almost another bracelet. I mean, he's just a kid, too. I mean, I yeah. can call him a kid and be comfortable saying it. I know he's in his <laughs> 20s, but, I mean, he's a kid. And that, well, but 75% of people are kids to us. Now. Yeah, I know, but still, I mean, he's really a kid. This guy's going to have all the – if he sticks around doesn't burn out, and he's going to have all the records. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he really could. Absolutely. I, I wanted to get back to the the 1K main event thing one more time. I I, oh, yeah, I, often, I often wonder if you know how um, we often say stuff is cyclical here. You know, like where you know things come back, like fashion or whatever does that too. But I'm just saying in this case, I wonder if that's going to happen. Where you know everything's a re-entry now or a rebuy. But I wonder if ever it'll return to the way it used to be, or is it just now? just built into the system where it's like, hey, we want more money, we want bigger prize pools, and that's just always the way it's going to be. Because it really is an attractive thing to know that everybody's in the same situation. No matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, if you can get into that event, you're equal ground. you know. And to me, I like that. I like knowing that you make a mistake, you pay the price. And you know, and I just wonder if that people are going to start to demand that. And I don't know if it's good for business, Necessarily, it's probably not, 
but it might be good for the game. You know, sometimes you sacrifice things, you know, lost leaders or whatever you call them, because you know that there are certain things that people want or demand, and you take a chance on it. And I mean, that's the whole reason why they have tournaments in the first place anyway, is to get them in the door and not really make a lot of money on it, but then play cash games. So I just wonder, do you think that that's something that may actually start to present itself again, where there's more freeze-outs? Well, yeah, that was that was part of the reason that they brought it up uh, with the TDA Summit. It wasn't, you know, part of the rules or anything like that, but it was um, uh, something that uh, Matt Savage mentioned. It, you know, just letting operators know, hey, there's there's this groundswell of complaints coming up, and um, not telling you how to run your room or what to do, but you know you're you're going to need to start listening to that. So um, here's kind of the problem, though, is that. Um, it goes back to, you know, the, the chip inflation, they started giving more chips and then they tried to get bigger fields and then, and then because they wanted to advertise bigger guarantees. So the only way to guarantee a big field is to allow multiple re-entries or late re-entries or even entering on day three for more money, all the stuff that people come up with to make yeah. sure that they can hit those guarantees. So, you know, you can't at the same time offer a big juicy guarantee and make it a freeze out or even make it a single re-entry. Um, so what's going to have to happen is that those guarantees are going to have to come down in order to be able to provide a product that apparently people are asking for. But, you know, we know this is poker players. We ask for everything, right? Yeah. And that's, that makes it difficult as an operator. So for our listeners out there, I would say you got to make a choice. You know, do you, do you want a freeze-out tournament? And if you do, then you need to not complain about the guarantee not being big. Right. Uh, or at all. Or at all, yes. Um, or if the guarantees are more important, then you're just going to have to deal with the fact that, that people with more money than us are, are going to continue to be able to fire bullets and be able to play a little looser um, than you are because they know if they get knocked out, they can get back in. So yeah. that's really what's going to happen. So, um, you know, I think casinos, generally most of them take their lead from, from the players, um, but there's always a couple that, that lead the pack. So that's what's going to be interesting if there's going to be a couple of big rooms that are going to say, hey, you know what? Um, we're listening to you. Uh, we know these multiple reentries have gotten out of control. Um, so we're going to start doing freeze outs only. Um, but, you know, we're going to have to lower our guarantees by half or whatever they feel like they have to and just see whether players respond to that. But yeah. uh, that, that's the only reason it's going to, that's the only way it's going to change, I think, is um, because, you know, just human nature and progress in general, right? It's who wants to hit that. Uh, Next big guarantee. I mean, I talked about my partners too. I mean, they they hope that you know every year builds off the next, and they can make the guarantee a little bit bigger for their annual poker tour events than the year before. But you know, maybe that's not the best thing to do. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's not trying to get the bigger guarantee, but to to put out a product that players enjoy more, but maybe doesn't get as much attention. And and that's tough, right? Because you know we're in the media business, so you know if somebody puts a hundred million dollar guarantee in a, on a tournament we're going to talk about it right yeah they put a ten dollar guarantee on it we're not so um it, it's just really tough so i mean we've always talked about how difficult the job of a poker director is dealing uh um you know the bean counters above them their bosses the, the employees below them the players uh and trying to make all those people happy it's impossible so this yeah. is one more example of why they uh earn every dollar they get <laughs> um 
I, I want you, you how healthy. That was an interesting thing yeah. because it's funny. We we all know. Well, I don't know if we all know. People may not know, but <clears throat> we all knew you how healthy because he, when we were first really getting into poker, he was on TV a lot. He was on yeah, WPT exactly. final tables and stuff. And so you're kind of like you know him, and then you kind of forget about him if you're not really paying attention to the game carefully. And it's like, holy cow, how did he not have a bracelet? But then you think about it, really, he only had 25 caches. I mean, there are guys out there, you know, look at Tony Cousineau. You know what I mean? He's got, what, 6 billion caches? And he's yeah. gotten a, so It might be 7 billion now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like, you know, 14 years at the World Series. Yeah, okay, there's a lot of guys been playing the World Series for 20, 30 years of having a bracelet. So it's just, it's weird. It's like, they were, and, and you wrote it that way. They wrote it that way at the recaps. They, they talked about it that way in the interviews. They're like, finally get this bracelet. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, it's, it's not really that long to expect to wait. You know what I mean? And he ended up doing it in a 10K limit event, which is interesting. Um, well, you know, but yeah, I know what you're saying, but we also don't know how many events he's entered, too. I mean, 25 caches. I mean, you could have fallen. You could have played 4 million events, too. That's true, too. That's true. But it's just weird. I'd be surprised to, if that's the case, though, because as good of a player he is, you would think you would. You would cash at a pretty high clip but yeah runner uh, up three times too that was a big deal but that's so. the thing that really i mean yeah can you imagine that three times your head's up and, and you don't get a bracelet i wonder what the record for that is yeah that's a good question uh and then that's got to play with your mind no matter how good of a player you are i'm like here i am again fourth time heads up we, we have to get a, <clears throat> we have to get elias sports involved uh with poker and have them give those cool stats yeah yeah exactly you know, you know the the last time uh person won a bracelet when the moon was in line with you know they got these crazy stats for elias sports you know but that is interesting who who has been runner up the most times without a bracelet it could have been you i'll help you who knows could have been. yeah could have been. but i'm happy for him it's a good win for him that's and it's funny because i went all the way back to like 2002 on his on his stats back yeah. when he won a wpt event for like 300 bucks or something it was crazy or 800 or something it was crazy um or no was it that much was it how much was it? Yeah, the three hundred dollar event. It was an ultimate bet poker classic at Palm Beach. <laughs> and he won uh, back in two thousand two. He won first place for three hundred dollars. It was the main event, three hundred bucks. The main event. Wow, those days are long gone. We're yeah. talking about stuff that's gone and coming back. That's never coming back. <laughs> three hundred dollar WPT main event. That's never happened. <laughs> Man. Um, and I didn't add it to the file, but I was reading about the main event today too. I think they're down to three, three hundred fifty-four players to come back today. Okay. Um, and one of them is Joe Hashem's son. Oh no way! Yeah, he's uh he's apparently cashed a couple times at the World Series. He has one, one or two caches this year, I think, and maybe three caches overall. But but he's still alive in the field. Uh, no world champs are are alive now. Um, so uh, we will guaranteed to have a brand new world champion this year. Um. Uh, but still, some other big names still out there playing. So um, it's our classic: uh, who you root for going into it, right? Uh, a big name that you know and you like and you appreciate, um, or hoping for somebody you've never known that's going to be a really exciting champion. So that would be something. I mean, we we have father sons winning bracelets with the Brunsons and stuff, but that would be something. Father son main event winners that'd be unbelievable. Yeah, wouldn't it? Oh man, that'd be awesome. And I want to say that Todd Brunson's still alive, but I could be wrong on that. So. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know what? Todd needs to win the whole thing and then say, "Don't put me on your top fifty list." Take that, sucker! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should say uh, Dean uh, Marone from Canada is the chip leader now with uh, just shy of five million. He started yesterday with like I think from like three hundred, four hundred thousand, and ran all the way up to five million. So oh, that's crazy! That's pretty crazy. But um, 
Yeah, I just ran through the names here to see if there's anybody else that popped out, but that's what I, I read this morning. So Okay. Very cool. Corey Burbick is still in, yep. Oh, yeah, and Richard Seymour from uh, the NFL. Oh, no way. Yeah, 35th in chips right now, 20, uh, 20, $2,750,000. 2, that's insane. I, yeah, that was the other name I was trying to think of. And Antonio is still in. Um, but, yeah, can you imagine a uh, uh, Super Bowl champ winning the world championship? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 35th. I mean, and the article today, too, talked about how, you know, it, it's it's – when you're this close now and you go to bed that night and you wake, wake, wake up the next day, I'm like, now you feel like it's possible, right? Yeah. You feel like, you know, hey, I just got to fade 353 other players and I, and I can I can actually win this. Out of 8,000, that's really kind of crazy. And you're starting, like if you're in 35th place, you're starting way ahead of most of them, too. It's not like it's a 353-player tournament anymore. You've right. got a huge advantage, too. Uh, can you imagine Richard Seymour winning it all? That'd be crazy. <laughs> All right, Annie updates. Jackson Rancheria Casino in California will award an Annie Up Poker Cruise package for the April 9th, 2020 sailing, plus 1K in expenses to the grand prize winner of a drawing on December 20th. Players can earn drawing tickets in live poker games September 1st to December 20th, with numbers being drawn every hour starting at 3 p.m. with a different prize each hour. For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Uh, so speaking of 2020, we've announced our 2020 Annie Poker Cruise schedule, adding three sailings, including an Easter weekend sailing out of Tampa, our first cruise out of Texas in a few years, and a 15-night transatlantic from Tampa to Amsterdam with stops in Bermuda, the Azores, and Ireland. Uh, we still have two more sailings this year, a short trip to the Bahamas in August, and an eight-night sailing over Halloween to the Eastern Caribbean. For all the details, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. Uh, Vic G putting on a different hat today. Yeah, this is very interesting. <clears throat> I mean, all this stuff is interesting, but this is an interesting call to pull right Yeah, very, very thought-provoking here. Um, so he says, The bad beat jackpot was hit in my local Florida poker room. Jackpot was twenty one grand, and I received a table share of 750 bucks. Should I be receiving a WT, W2G or a 1099 miscellaneous? The IRS instructions for issuing a W2G state file form W2G is for each person to whom you pay $600 or more in gambling winnings from a sweepstakes, wagering pool, or lottery if the winnings are at least 300 times the amount of the wager. So he says, one, does a bad beat jackpot fall into these categories? Two, I didn't wager any money to win my $750 table share, so how is this gambling? Three, since the small blind, big blind, and hijack did put chips into the pot, would they rightfully get a W2G, but the rest of the table get a 1099 miscellaneous? And four, lastly, if the bad beat jackpot promotion is a sweepstakes with no purchase necessary, can anyone walk into the poker room and ask to be dealt a free hand to see if they can win the sweepstakes? All right, Elliot says, many players in the poker rooms I have worked in, including my current venue, bring this issue up quite often. Some of the shrewder players try to convince me that any and all promo and bad beat payouts are W2G reportable rather than 1099 miscellaneous reportable uh, so that they can deduct losses against these wins. The 1099 uh, miscellaneous winnings are not deductible in that way as these payouts are just not considered gambling winnings in any way. 
But poker rooms give away 599 high hands or other promo awards. They're generally misreading uh, the various regulations set down by the IRS. Promo awards won on any individual that exceeds 600 in a calendar year are then all reported on a single 1099. Uh, winning four 599 high hands from January to December of any year would mean that that player should have $2,396 in non-gambling miscellaneous income reported to the IRS via the 1099. When money is reported via W2G, that money is considered by the IRS to have been the result of actual gaming activity. Cash buy-in, tournament prize pools, high-paying exotic wagers at racetracks, slot machine jackpots, the voluntary side bets on various table games, and yes, the poker room bad beat jackpot are all examples of wagering pools and lotteries of small scale. In the case of a bad beat jackpot, these fees are paid collectively from each pot rather than individually. Each player is considered to have entered the wagering pool of the bad beat jack- jackpot because... Uh, the money for the fund is removed from every pot and only before the outcome is known. If you paid your blind for the round, you are considered to have entered the wagering pool. The blinds are basically a collective ante and communal payment of the jackpot fee is based on the same reasoning. So when a bad beat hits, everyone receiving a payout is issued a W2G, regardless of whether they put any money in that specific pot. Finally, bad beat jackpots have never been considered or promoted as sweepstakes by any casinos nor any gaming commissions that I know of. Bad beat jackpots have always been promoted as an added value benefit of playing in the poker room, not visiting uh, as one would a car dealership. Besides, uh, as no player can be all in for $0 and must meet minimum buy-in requirements, a free hand is unable to be awarded for the purposes of hitting the bad beat jackpot. Good to know. I have to be honest, I didn't even know that W2G uh, existed because I've never hit anything before in my life, so I don't even yeah, know what that, yeah, what that is. Yeah, I sent email. I'm like, I hope, uh, I'm curious what Elliot says because I'm hoping someday this is my problem. <laughs> That's right. I think the G stands for gambling, I would imagine. Yes, it's gambling, yes. I have so. no idea. what. I mean, I've hit a 1099 once or twice because I like go to Highline and hit Trifecta or something, but I, I have never even heard of a W2G, so this is this is fascinating to me. Yeah, so so for folks that don't understand this, uh, I mean, your gambling uh, wins are treated as income, um, but you are able to deduct your losses from the W2G number in there. So let's say you win uh, a tournament for a hundred thousand uh, dollars, and then but throughout the year you've entered a bunch of other tournaments that you uh, haven't cashed in for fifty thousand. You can use that to offset the taxes on that hundred thousand. So. Um, so that's why you know folks are trying to get the W2G on this so they can um, offset it. Now, explain to me, when I was younger and I used to go to Highlight a lot back in Connecticut, guys would like run around picking up old receipts like so they could write them off. And I'm like, but they yeah. didn't have I, that. I, when I won, I got a 1099. So didn't these guys get 1099s too? And why would they be able to write them off if they're 1099s? Well, so the 1099 is just miscellaneous income. It has nothing to do with gambling. So, you know, so if you are a contract worker for some place, you're going to get a 1099. Yeah. Uh, That's so, what I got. I got a 1099 when I hit the trifecta. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm guessing by reading Elliot's answer here, you should have got a W2G instead. So they messed up, like he said, right? Probably, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so the 1099 has nothing to do with gambling, so therefore you can't deduct anything off of it. So, um you know, so again, that goes back to why why people want a W two G because you you had the potential of um, uh, deducting the, those losses. Now, what you mentioned is what the little secret out there that everybody does and everybody shouldn't because it's quite illegal is picking up uh, losing tickets from other people and using that to offset. But yeah, uh, but you know, if you're doing it properly, you'd be using your own tickets. So, to be honest, I have a little folder here at home 
I've never had to use it, but every lottery ticket I buy, every tournament entry I enter, uh, all the receipts and all that stuff, I keep it there just in case. Just in case. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> One day I'll be happy and uh, I get a WTG and then I'm going to be able to write it off. So it, it's always a sad day every um, January 1st when I have to take that folder in. Put in the recycling bin. <laughs> Didn't work for me that year, but see, uh, no, no other shows are doing this for you uh, for your for your dollar. I mean, seriously, we're giving you awesome IRS lessons here. This is fantastic stuff. Well, and also, there's no dollars uh, needed, so you know, you know. That's right. I agree, hundred percent. Oh, so the other thing I thought was interesting was this five ninety nine because I've dealt with that with a lot of white poker uh, partners. You know, they they don't want to do cruise because of ways because if the value is more than five ninety nine, then they have to do paperwork. And according to Elliot, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, once you hit two of those in a year, you know, you're getting a ten ninety nine. Uh, it's only if you get one of them for five ninety nine or less that you're not going to get that. And that doesn't change the your responsibility to report that income either. You just know the form for it. So right, I mean, exactly. not, it really does that. But um, you know, technically, you did get income. So you, Uncle Sam wants a cut. But well, I uh, guess they're they're probably playing the odds too that the amount of people are they're hitting multiple five ninety nines in a calendar right. year. You know, so right. they're they're trying to play the the odds of not having to do that form. But right. um, I've never hit anything like that ever. The most I've ever gotten, I think, was ten dollars once from like a high hand of the hour or something and i think i might have it might have been like a i don't know we were up north it might have been one of the jacksonville rooms or something when we were on the road together i think i had a ten dollar high hand or something you know, like i never hit anything like this ever of course i don't play a lot anymore so i don't you know i don't yeah. get out that often but even then i still when i was playing all the time never came close never came close <laughs> all right okay. well we got a new o'malley's move here it comes Welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. We are still at that $1, $2 No Limit Hold'em Casino cash game and have doubled our starting stack. We have 600 The blinds post and it's folded all the way around to us in the cutoff with the Jack of Hearts, Ten of Hearts. Now, I know a lot of people would raise this up, but I'm not one of those people. We call. The button calls, as do both blinds, and we see a flop with about $5 in the pot after the rake. The king of clubs, seven of hearts, deuce of hearts comes down. The small blind leads out for $10, double the pot. He's the same villain from last week, fairly competent, can lay down a hand, but usually knows where he is in a hand. He has lost one buy-in, but has built his second up to around 400 The big blind folds, and we are going to see just how confident he is in his hand. We make it $30 to go. The button folds, and the small blind thinks for a short time before calling. There's now $65 in the pot, and the turn is the deuce of diamonds. Our opponent, this time, thinks for a short time before checking. We count out $40 and put it into the pot. Again, after some short thought, he calls. The pot stands at about $145, and the river is the five of diamonds. Our opponent again checks. So... Are we taking another shot at this one? What's the move? It's time for the AdvancedPokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at AnnieUpMagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Training site. 
Uh, Landon Pemper is back, Chris. Tell me that's not the most awesome name ever. It so is, right? Man. I think we talked about this before. I'm like, if I had to change my name, I'm, I'm stealing Landon Pepper. It's just totally sophisticated. <laughs> Landon Pemper. Oh, man. Um, uh, all right. It says uh, he's playing in a tournament at the Post Oak Poker Club. R.I.P. <laughs> Houston, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and actually, I should bring this up. I didn't put it on the on the show notes, but I did read an article uh, we went back and forth on this, right? So when they, when they first got shut down, we thought maybe they were shutting it down for doing what they've advertised they were doing, right? Right. And then we heard it was more nefarious than that. Now it seems like the reporting's going back to the original, that they were just operating the poker room as everybody else is. And one of the owners that is in um, of the room, I think it actually might be the Post Oak Room, is saying, hey, what's going on? Why are these other seven rooms still operating? And why are you selectively rating art instead of those? So, um, And uh, there's a pretty strong statement from the Houston police that uh, they're not going to allow illegal activity to continue in their city. So uh, I don't know what that means for the rest of the Houston rooms, but uh, it does seem that they've the police department and law enforcement there has uh, definitely changed their opinion on the seat rentals yeah, and yeah. doing that so but anyhow so landon uh had played the post poker club before it got shut down uh 39 of 67 players left uh and the average stack size is about twenty five thousand. blinds are at 1k 2k and the re-entry period is over uh he says i'm in the hijack with 44k there's only one limper ahead of me and i look down at the ten of diamonds nine of diamonds uh well, this is a nice little surprise hand. I love this hand. It's <clears throat> actually my birthday, uh, nine ten. Um, I, I like the hand in that it's it's not the typical hand somebody turns over when they're raising and taking control of a hand. Um, I like it. I like I like that idea. It, it's got a lot of potential. A lot of straights are kind of disguised with ten nine too. I mean, you see jack eight seven out there. A lot of people aren't automatically thinking straight. Um, it's just a, it's an interesting hand. It's why I like it so much. Uh, we only have one limper, and we could easily steal, you know, a position here with a decent raise. We seem to be playing fairly well. Um, we're bigger than average, so that's pretty decent. Um, it's still middle stages of tournament, though, so I don't like to get too crazy uh, until I absolutely have to. But in this case, if I'm going to play the hand, I'm going to play it for a raise. I want to take control of this hand and get position. So um, we said one, two blinds. So somebody limps. So maybe like seven and a half or so thousand. I'd raise to maybe. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, normally I do the two and a half to five, and then account for the limper. So I would do seven. But yeah, you know, anywhere from six to eight is probably good. Okay. Um, and I'm right there with you. I love this hand in this position. Um, you know, you're supposed to be raising uh, here um, with a wider range. And then this is a hand that, um, as you mentioned, can be well disguised when you actually hit it. Um, and if you don't hit it because of your position and how you raise, you can represent a lot of other hands. So yeah. definitely raising here and um, seeing what happens. So uh, Landon agrees. He raises the 6K. Cutoff folds, uh, the button calls, small blind folds, and the big blind. Um who says who is not only the villain of this hand because he's wearing a Red Sox hat? Yay! <laughs> uh, calls two. <clears throat> the previous limper fold. So three of us go into the uh, flop with a nineteen thousand dollar pot, um, and the flop is five of diamonds, ten of hearts, king of hearts, big blind checks, and it's on us. 
Well, first of all, yeah, kudos for hitting the Red Sox. Um, but uh, interesting that the limper folds when he, he limped and he got only a 3X raise, and then people were coming along for it, so he's probably got the right odds to call there. I mean, he's going to be out of, probably out of position for most of the hand, but that's interesting. Yeah. All right, so um, let's see. There's 19 in the pot. We've got middle pair. Uh, we've got a lot of draws to protect against. Uh, Queen Jack easily could be out there. Two hearts could be out there. So, and of course, a king could be out there. Um, sucks at the button call, so we don't really have positions. So we don't know what he's going to do. He could float us. Uh, I don't know. I, I since we raised, I'm going to have to bet, and it's not just a C bet because we actually hit a piece of this. Right. And there's there's more to it than just hoping people fold. I mean, there there's a reason to bet here. So, um. I don't know. Uh, maybe a little more than half the pot. I I, I feel like maybe two thirds of the pot or so would be would be correct here, like fourteen, thirteen, something like that. I feel like it should be big enough that, you know, it's going to dissuade some people from from speculating, but it needs to be an amount that, you know, hey, I'm I'm confident in my hand. This flop didn't bother me. I'm also protecting against it. I don't think you're playing with your hand wide open here. If 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 you make a, a confident bet here, I think you need to um, thin the field a little more, you know, just at least get heads up. Um, and I don't mind that. So I'm thinking 12 to 14, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think the real um, rough spot that we're in here is that we're getting pot committed with this bet now, um, almost. Um, so we already put six in. Now, if you put 14, that's 20K. We started at 44, so now we're down to 24K. In a pot that's gonna be dwarfed <laughs> by by uh, dwarfing that stack. So yeah, you know uh, the one thing you have to keep in mind now is if you do bet here, and I think you do have to, and you're probably right on the amount. I mean, I might go ten might be fine for me too, but that doesn't change what I'm talking about. You know, uh, if you if you don't win the hand right in in there, chances are you're gonna have to get it in on the turn and hope for the best if you don't improve on the turn. Um, and that kind of sucks, but. We did start with uh, a little bit more than 20 big blinds, so we were pretty close to the shove or fold um, pre-flop as it is. So the fact that we, we didn't shove, but we made a raise, now gets us in the shove or fold for the rest of the hand. So Yeah, it's interesting, it's, too. You check up the numbers yeah, you know, on your big blinds when you when you enter pot, and I actually made that mistake of not even looking at, at the chip stack when we, we talked about raising there. So pre-flop, but um, I, but I, I don't think it changes anything. It just means that now when we get a piece of it, so I mean there might be a case here, as weird as it sounds, might be a case here to shove here and um, really put people to a test. Yeah, there is. One of the things that I frown with that is that the fact that somebody who's maybe a little shorter than us, who I don't know if there is anybody left who's shorter than us, but they got a draw, they're going to happily get in with you, and they're going to have overs and hearts and or straight cards to now suck out on you with two two streets to come rather than make a confident bet here and then shove if a blank comes. You know, I, I'm just trying to figure out the best way to, to do this. And I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to adjust to the new thinking because when I started this hand with 22 big blinds, I thought, man, I got tons of time. <laughs> I would never think of shoving with nine, ten of diamonds preflop with 22 blind, big blinds. It just seems so odd well, to me. But when you said that, end. I thought, wow. I know it's on the high end, but still. I just thought, wow, and then that now the flop is here. It, you know, it's like okay, well now they've called my bet, and I've got twenty grand in the pot, and I've got 
38 left in front of me. Is it 38? Yeah. So I just thought, wow, 38's now only 19 big blinds. And is a 19 grand the pot? Do I just shove? Ugh, I just don't know. I don't think I could be an effective tournament player anymore if that's sort of the new norm. And to me, I think even making that 10K bet or 12K bet, it still gives me 26, still gives me 13 big blinds if I get down. You know what I mean? I still have more than the the M where you got to shove, you know, or, you know, I just, ugh. I don't think I could ever adjust to the tournament game anymore. I don't play tournaments anymore. You know, it's just bizarre to me. But uh, that being said, you make great points. So, I mean, if, if that's your game plan, if that's the way you play, then, yeah, I think a shove is here, is necessary here. Um, because a bet is just going to cripple your stack even more if you end up, because down the road, like you said, on the turn now, the pot's going to be swelled. And then an effective bet there is going to essentially be a shove. So, well, yeah, even your shove is going to be a ridiculously small bet at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. But the other interesting thing too, boy, I really should have really thought about this whole thing from the beginning. Uh, he says the average stack size is twenty five k. That's twelve big blinds. Yeah, and that's kind of crazy at the one k two k level of any tournament. So I, I've got lots of questions now. How, how many chips you started with? Yeah. Um, you know, because that's kind of a fourth, fifth level, maybe. Yeah, because I was saying this is like the middle stages because the amount of people that are left. But if you think about it, it's not really the middle stages of this tournament anymore if the average stack is only 25K. Yeah, I mean, everybody should be looking to shove at that. I mean, with 10, 12K, uh, 12 big blinds, I don't care what kind of player you are now, that is definitely a shoving, um, no, uh, yeah, shoving stack now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we don't know the stack sizes um, yet of the, the players still playing in here. But if they if any of them just called the 6k raise they made a huge mistake they needed a shove there and and, ha- and had they done that we would have been out of the spot right yeah i mean we're not going to commit um the rest of our stack with the uh, 10 9 diamonds here we took a uh, stab with 6k of the raise and see if we can uh win it right there or and uh we didn't so but someone shoved so so here's an interesting thing now. So, you know, I think I've talked myself into having to shove here uh, to put pressure on folks. But if everybody's that short now, if they get any piece of this, they're calling. Now, if their piece of it is the five, that's great. <laughs> right. If their piece of it is the king, we're going we're gonna to need some help. Um, but it's also interesting to me would be what the stack size of everybody else is, too. I mean, there might be a potential for us to, to win a side pot here to, you know, make it worth it, you know, if we lose the main pot. Um so uh, I really, at this point, I'd be looking around at my opponents and, and figuring out how much they have. So hmm. decide what to do. But but I definitely could defend a shove here. Um, but, uh, but, you know, that 10K could work as well, too. You know, if everybody else only has 25K left, it doesn't really matter at this point. So yeah, shove would be more effective now because now, now you're – if they don't do the math out, they know they're all in, and that's always the scariest thing, right? So that's the hardest part is now you make this this cursory bet of ten to fourteen between me and you, um, and then you're like, okay, somebody calls now on the turn. Even if blank comes, you have to decide: was it a king or was it hearts? Was it a king or was it straight draw? Was it a king? Or was it a worse ten? Was it a king? Or was it, you know what I mean? I I I don't know what what you're gonna do on that turn. If it's interesting now, I don't know what to think about this bet. You know, because you're obviously if you're going to bet, you're gonna probably have to shove on the turn. If somebody bets into us. Now you're like, huh? This guy didn't believe us, and now we only have middle pair, and the turn was a blank, and uh it's a lot of questions now. You know, sometimes the shove makes your life so much easier. Because you don't have yep. to think anymore. 
Yep. Uh. I think that's probably where I am now, and it, it's uh, it's unfortunate, I think, because you don't think you should be shoving here, but I think that's the right play now. So. And then you're 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 if you're wrong, the guy called your raise. The buttons behind you called your raise with a king queen. He's probably calling you, and you're you're on thin ice. And I, it's just an well, interesting. Yeah, that's what thing. I said. I'm like if everybody's at an average tax size, any, anywhere anybody is around 25k now. We got a piece of this has to call. We shove. We probably so shove. That's yeah. shoving. Um, but it's also the reality of it. And the more I look at it, we got 39 players left. And everybody is short stack. <laughs> this is a crazy tournament. It is. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. All right. Well, I, I talked myself into shove here. Um, are you, are you sticking with your 14K? Well, I'm going to stick with the 14K just so we have contrasting okay. you know, way to go with this. But, yeah, I, I may have been convinced to shove. All right. Uh, our hero bets out 10,000, which is where you st- or I started. Yeah. Talk yeah. myself into it. Uh, the button folds, and after about 15 seconds of thinking, the big blind uh, calls. And he says he has roughly the same amount of chips as I do. Um, and he's like, uh, we're now heads up. Even though I'm almost ready to let the hand go, I do have a position on him uh, with 39,000 in the pot. So, so yeah, now I'm thinking, uh, you know, he didn't think very long before calling, but had we shoved there... He's going to think a little longer, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know how I don't remember how this hand ends, but this might be uh, the big decision point here, inflection point later that we, we might have should have shoved here. So, all right, the turn is the deuce of clubs. So our board now is five of diamonds, ten of hearts, king of hearts, deuce of clubs, and the big blind now bets ten thousand, hmm. and we have twenty eight thousand left. Well. I'm going to try to read this guy without actually reading this guy. And <laughs> the fact that he took a really long time to make the call on the last street tells me that I don't think he has a king. I think if he had a king, he shoves. Um, I, I don't think that he's walking us you know, with a set or something because he would want to protect against those hearts in case we were betting with a draw. You know what I mean? I think this guy is going to want to put more money in to protect against a draw here. I think that he doesn't believe us. He wants to make sure that they he sets the, the stage and he bets out into us if he has a king. Or, at the very least, he check-raises us when he has a huge hand because he wanted to get continuation bet money out of us. And the fact that he took forever and then called, it really feels like he's on a draw. I don't know what that draw is. It could be straight draw. It could be hearts. But it just feels like if this guy had a piece, a really good piece of it, he would have check-raised us or he would have bet into us or he wouldn't have taken so much time. I just feel like, and the amount of chips that he has, he had the same amount as we do, that he's going to shove there. The fact that he didn't shove and just called, looks like he's saying, I'm going to try to hit it on one more street. And then now when he bets into us, he's trying to get it at his price to set for the river. So he can get a free, you know, a scare car comes on the river, you know, he can check, and then the other guy, our guy will check behind. Or I just feel like he's he's trying to set the price now. I don't think he's got a king. He could have a 10. He could have jack 10, and we're kind of in trouble. Um, hoping the board will pair or whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I got a feeling this guy might be drawing just by the way it's been played, and now he's he's sort of trying to, He's hoping we can stave off a shove by putting out a nominal t- another 10k that make us think, oh no, you know, 
what's this guy doing? Maybe I shouldn't shove now. Maybe I'm maybe I'm behind, and he's trying to put a defensive bet out. So I think this is the time that you're going to have to shove. Uh, you can't call, and I don't think you can fold with second pair here uh, and this guy betting into you. Because if he, if he had something really good, he's going to want value, and you've shown a proclivity for wanting to bet. So I think uh, I think we're going to have to shove now. I really do. I mean, I can't call and have 18 left. You know, that's okay. just not the right thing. That's the wrong yeah. play. So let's shove. Yeah, so I, I like where you went with that, and, and if that's where you come down on, then you, you're right. You absolutely have to shove. Um, the other part of me wonders whether this guy is just trying to has a hand and is trying to squeak out value here. He doesn't want us to check behind here, so because um, he has the same thing we have, according uh, to Landon. Um, so why is he not um, shoving here? Right, right. Um, so the only thing I can think of is. Uh, that, that he's just trying to get another 10k out of us, and it's afraid if we show, we go away. Or what you said—that he's just trying to, you know, from pot control, keep the keep the bet low, so he can get to that river and see whether he hits his heart. But at this point, with with these chip stacks, I don't think you can be betting with draws now, unless you're—I mean—shoving and and as a semi bluff. And this 10k is obviously not a semi bluff, right? So. Right. Um, I, oh boy, I don't know where he is now. This is so weird. Um, so I, I think I, I'll have to set aside on your part that, uh, we have to shove here and tell him to go home. Yeah, I can't fold. And I, I don't, I can't call and I can't fold, I don't think. I don't think I can fold because of the way the hand played out. I mean, he could very well have a king and just playing it weird, but it just doesn't feel. Why would he bet into us now when he has no idea what we have? It seems like a defensive bet. We totally could have had aces. We played it just like we had aces. We haven't done anything different than aces. We could have ace-king. We played it just like we would if we had ace-king. Raise preflop, bet the top pair, top kicker to protect against the draw. You know what I mean? And getting value for that hand. So I just don't think this guy has a king. And I don't think I think that bet is a scare bet. He's trying to make you say, oh, make you think. And then maybe you'll just call, and then he'll get to the river for his draw for a cheap price rather than his, his tournament life with one streak to come. So, yeah, I think we're good. Let's shut. All right. Uh, here it says, uh, as I think about this, he might have the flush draw of the king, maybe even ace-10 or perhaps queen-jack for an open-end straight draw, but I definitely rule out a set. Something about the way he pondered calling after the flop uh, leads me to learn, uh, lean toward the draw. I call the 10K bet, leaving me 18K left playing for a 59K pot. Oof. Yeah, it just seems like everybody, which is weird. I mean, I haven't played in Texas before, um, but, you know, the, the legend of Texas is everything's bigger in Texas, right? Yeah. And it sounds like all these players play way more cautiously than I'm used to. Because, uh, you know, now, now we've got two players with, like, no chips left. It's this massive pot, and no one's doing the, the big bet to, to get it. So, But if that's the way it's played there, then maybe it's not wrong in the moment although you know i think you got to change your play when you get the places where they're a little bit more aggressive all right the river is the seven of spades the final board is five of diamonds ten of hearts king of hearts deuce of clubs seven of spades and our villain is all in mm, and he has uh, his cover by about 5k i don't think the seven of spades changed anything that's the thing so you're going to say to yourself, all right, if I fold here, I have nine big blinds. 
which is horrible, but it's it's old school. It's enough to shove on the next hand or something. I mean, it's a it's a shovable stack. I guess they could do some damage to somebody, but for the most part, you're not going to win this tournament unless something near miraculous happens. Yeah, I mean, the problem is this pot is so bloated now. Yeah. That with our second pair, this is a better spot for us to get our chips in than with nine big blinds on a random hand. Exactly. Coming up. So, and if we're wrong, we're wrong, but the chances of us coming back from nine big blinds is pretty weak, too, especially with 39 players left. So, yeah, the fact that that's, you that's called. That's the way you got to look at it now. Yeah, the fact that you called that 10K, right, means that you think you're ahead. And so that seven didn't put you behind. There's no, there's no combination that has that seven putting this guy ahead now. He doesn't have ten seven, five seven, king seven, or do seven. So the seven doesn't help him, and he doesn't have seven seven. So yeah, you got it. You got to call because if you're gonna call on the last street, you did it because you thought you were ahead. You're calling now. So we're calling all in. All right. Uh, here it says after tanking, considering the fact uh, all I have is second top pair with a fairly weak kicker, I toss in a single chip, expecting the worst. Good call, he says, flipping over to the Queen Eight of Hearts for the missed flush draw. Wow! And it says, uh, even though I got away with this one, I can't help but feel I should have avoided uh, being put to a decision for my tournament life. If I hadn't originally bet the flop, the button would have likely stolen the pot with nothing. My biggest mistake might have been not re-raising after the turn to crush his pot odds and eliminate the draw, but even that would have had its risks. Uh, he says, apologies to one of my faves, Dan Harrington, but go Astros. <laughs> well, he's in Houston. I can't fault him for being an Astros fan, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I think he played it exactly the way, or the other guy. We, we put him exactly on what we thought he might be on. Yeah, too. Exactly. But, but that's weird, Queen 8. What's he doing out of position? Calling a raise with Queen 8. I mean, See, he really should have sh- shoved on the uh, flop. We go back to what we're talking about. Well, I mean, the, our opponent on the turn, going back to what we talked about. So he essentially did what you said he was doing, right? He he wanted to see that hard on the river. He wanted to get there at his price. So he decided, I'm going to bet out now and see if I can get him to call 10K so I can get to see that flop. And that's exactly what happened, right? Um, so it worked for him. Um but at that point, with the chips you have there, I mean, you got to turn that hand into a semi-bluff if you're if you've got to that part of the hand. I think you need to shove there. Um, of course, he probably was scared to shove because he thought we had something because we've been leading the way the entire time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, his big mistake was calling our raise with Queen Eight of Hearts in the blind. Yeah. So, those those. I mean, I, I know you're sitting there with two K already in, and you're like, all right, it's only four K more. Um, but you got to think in terms of big blinds now. So this guy had um, a little more than we did, forty nine. Yeah. So he was, you know, not not quite as desperate as we are. But uh, at that point, I'm I'm not speculating anymore. When you get into that that twenty to thirty big blinds now, you can't speculate anymore. That that was earlier in the tournament <laughs> or later in the tournament when you build that stack back up. So. I'm pulling that queen eight all day long, almost always, anyhow. But especially at this point, with this chips, with the the chips in play now, yeah, I'm not that, a chance on that. That's almost ten percent of his stack to speculate there because it's forty. It's a horrible right? hand to speculate too. I yeah. mean, it's not. It's the third uh, not flush if it gets there, unless you know, of course, you get the straight flush cards you need. Um, it, it's it's what two gaps, three gaps <laughs> for the straight. So, I mean, I don't know what you're trying to get at that point. Um, I mean, it, it's a hand you really should fold all the time in the big blind. Um, but certainly can't defend it here. So, But then when the flop comes with two hearts, 
I think at that point, maybe he, fl- he shoves on the flop. Yeah, or check raises all in when yeah, we check it. Yeah, be better, right? Yeah, <clears throat> unbelievable. And, hmm. and we probably go away if you check raises all in. We oh, go absolutely. away. We have to, right? right? We have to. At that point, we still have plenty of chips to keep playing, and we can fold. Oh man, that's yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, and I agree with what he said. Was I think that if he he makes would you say something about re raising on the turn was his mistake? We talked about that. That yeah. when the guy bet ten k, we should have shoved on him. Yeah, um, yeah, and I don't know if he calls too, there. Too. So yeah, you know yeah. he he may he may not call there. He may look at his stack now and say, okay, I still have you know, because uh, he had five more, and so that was thirty three. So he would have had still twenty three to twenty five k left or whatever at that point. Um, yeah, thirty. So he had, he would have thirty three at that point. So he would have twenty three k left. He might be able to get away from that hand if we shove on him because he still has basically twenty one big, twenty two big blinds. So. At that point, he's like, "All right, I I made my move. I can't afford to just uh, call in with one card to come." So you get him away from that hand. So I I do agree with him. He should have shoved. We talked about that. He should have shoved on a turn. Yeah. But very interesting hand. I, when it first started, I thought, "Oh, this is going to be simple." But it happens a lot with these hands. They get better and better as we, you know. But uh, yeah, go Yankees, Landon. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. Yeah, I'm Scott Log. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.